0: So yes, I have these two little dogs and last night, the older dog, he, the fireworks, they never bothered him, never. Yeah. And last night they bothered him. So he, the older one is a little on edge. Yeah. And uh, like I said, if, if, if they become too much, I will pause and they will go in the other room. So, otherwise? I Sunday was a lot of
1: fun. You had your virtual virtual, did, yeah, on Junction Reads with Allison. She's uh, such a lovely person. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's she's really fantastic and um it's always a joy to talk to her as it is to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So excited looking forward to this. Good. Good. Yeah.
0: So if our listeners haven't figured it out, <laughs> my name's Joanna and I have Shoshona Friedman with me. And uh, first, for my sister Linda, who told me I do not promote myself enough. <laughs> <for laughs> first time listeners, Linda, Hi. I am the author of The Unraveling and Dealer's Child. And I'm uh, just packaging together. Uh, to send off spy girls to my editor at the end of the week, so there we go. But today I'm talking with Shoshona Friedman. Now a little bit about Shoshona, she is an international Amazon best-selling author. Her debut novel, The Faithful, was an internet was an international Amazon bestseller. It reached the quarterfinals in the Amazon Breakthrough Novel Award and was selected by Suspense magazine as a best debut of 2015. Shoshona was on my podcast on April 10, 2021, when we just dis- discussed her novel, The Day She Died. Oh yeah. And when she and when Shoshona sent me Blood Atonement, I remember saying to her, You're gonna scare me again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's what I do, Joanna.
0: That's what I do, and as you can tell, she has such a friendly voice that it's
1: just your your brain kind of goes, "Really, this is the same person." So <laughs> I'm a really, really sweet, friendly person. <laughs> you and are. The, first, the first book I wrote actually um, was the first thing, of course, my husband read of mine, and he read it and he really enjoyed it. But at the end, he looked at me and he's like, "Okay, so who are you?" Yeah. Because it's totally, it's way darker than I actually am as a person. (laughs) Yeah, and isn't it funny when you discuss, let's say how
0: you're going to take care of a character or you're going to for example, I had this one question with um, our oldest daughter about rifles and she's a nurse emergency nurse and I said, okay If an individual gets shot in the head, what happens? You know, and my spouse just, he looks at me and goes, violent. And I thought, what do I write? Right? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So
1: Don't check my search history on Google. It's (laughs) terrifying. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So we are going to talk about blood atonement. And Shoshona, she's a proud member of Sisters in Crime. Crime Writers of Canada, and the International Thriller Writers and Mystery Writers
1: of America. Shoshona, thank you for joining me. Uh, thank you for having me, Joanna. It's so nice to be here again. Oh, good. And if
0: you're wondering why I'm kind of on a slant here, I'm trying to pet the little puppy, so he, so he's happy. So, <laughs> <What's> he <talking? laughs> yeah. so first, thank you. For placing my logo on your upcoming events under news and under your news and events page on your website that really that meant a lot to me um you oh, know of
1: course.
0: yeah and uh you know not everyone does it you know because we're all super busy i i have got to update my website
1: with things i've done
0: so when i saw it there it was just like <laughs>
1: So. I know updating the website is is one of these things you've kind of got to take time for, and, and sometimes it's like weeks go by, and I'm like, oh, yeah. I really need to do that. And then, of course, there are many, many weeks where nothing new is happening, yeah. and so it's it's fine. But uh, at this time of year, like launch season, it's like I'm on my website uh, in the back door of it almost every day, changing things, yeah. updating things as it goes. So, I,
0: yeah, I believe it. I believe it. Now, you write standalone novels instead of series.
1: Well, mainly.
0: Mainly? Okay. So I want to try out my theory. And is it because it's the story? It's totally the story that's drawn to you and the characters set with that story? Because I know I'm really enjoying the series. So I was just wondering, tell me, what do you think?
1: So I have written, um, I mean, The Faithful and Impact Winter are the first two in what's supposed to be a trilogy. Um, and I'm struggling with the third one because it's kind of post-apocalyptic fiction. And honestly, it started, when I started writing it, the world felt very different to me than it does now. So I'm having a bit of a struggle with it, but I do love writing series because you really get to spend time with characters that you've created and love and Um, get to deepen them and explore them in different circumstances. But I think with both The Day She Died and Blood Atonement, they really just, um, I I mean, they needed to be new characters. They were a brand new story. Um, And along with the story came, especially with Blood Atonement, came these new characters that I had to create and I had to develop. Um, especially grace, you know I certainly I needed to create characters that had grown up in the f l d s and that just wasn't going to be anybody that was somebody had already written about, so
0: yeah yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, okay, so
0: you're taking me right to blood atonement, okay, blood atonement, yeah, so What's on my mind lately <laughs> what made you want? to write this novel. And, uh, you know, I've had writers tell me that the actions of politicians have infuriated them so much that, like I had one, I shouldn't say the word infuriate. I had one children's author who said that when she originally started writing her children's book, she goes, I wasn't planning on this type of a children's book about acceptance. And she goes, but current world events. She just thought, I have to do this. I have to do this. So what what made you want to write Blood Atonement?
1: Well, it's funny. I really relate to what you just said about that um, children's author, because I think I've always been obsessed with extremism and damage that's done to people in childhood and how they survive that and how they thrive or don't thrive or what that damage does to them as they're adults going about in the world. And I really love to see people become heroes in their own right, which is what Grace does when she uh, makes the choice to escape from the f l d s and and take other kids with her um but uh i don't i think it's one of these things that, as I wrote it and as I rewrote it and rewrote it and wow. edited it and and even through the editing process with my publisher um I became more and more aware of what my statement was on this piece. Because really, when you're writing, sometimes you're just writing a story and you're following where it goes and you're following your own interests and stuff. And at the end of it all, I went, I'm really, I'm really discussing something that has a much broader view than what this story is about, which is the damage that extremism does, and extremism is so damaging in so many different ways, from political to religious to patriarchal i mean it's all there um, it's all there in blood atonement yeah. and in this religious sect yeah um, and, and look at the damage it does to your children when you don't accept them for who they are, and when you try and make them be something extreme that you believe is right, yeah. Yeah. And as a parent, that becomes really important to me too, because of course, I'm a parent of a 15 year old and a 10 year old, and they are not at all the kids that I might have imagined before they were born. And my job is to learn how to support them as best they are, um, to be the best people that they can be. And that has nothing really to do with what my thoughts for who they would be are, because they are their own individuals. So yes. Yes, I'm like just going to go on a whole parenting <laughs> rant. Yeah, no, no, because
0: ah, oh, it uh, okay, Blood Atonement. Yeah, it, it's a riveting, it's a psychological thriller, and uh, I'm just like you're. I'm the parent in me, uh, knowing the book. I'm trying to keep trying not to go off on a tangent here. So Wait first, <laughs> first. Can you give us a summary of what Blood Atonement is about? And I'm going to make sure my dog
1: pops down from the window. Okay.
0: (laughs) Okay. Take it away, Shoshona. Take it
1: away. Okay. So Blood Atonement is the story of a girl named Grace DeRoche who grew up in a um, fundamentalist Mormon church sect. So that's kind of for people who don't know who the fundamentalist Mormon church is, it's um like the Netflix special, Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey. Who oh. uh, Lose Under the Banner of Heaven? There's been a lot of interest in it lately. Um, and they believe in plural marriage, and they believe in women being subservient to the men and um, uh, basically obeying their priesthood head, which is their husband. Uh, so Grace grows up in a fictionalized sect of the FLDS, that I placed somewhat close to the real FLDS sect in um, Bountiful BC. And at the age of 18, she escapes, makes a very brave choice to escape, and she's able to save a number of children with her. Um, And they escape, and they try to prosecute the leaders of the FLDS. And unfortunately, the whole sect, including Grace's family and everybody else's families, commits mass suicide rather than having to face the prosecution. Um, so years later, Grace is living in isolation and guilt, and she also is suffering from dissociative identity disorder because of all the abuse she suffered. Um, her her mind basically fragmented into different personalities. Um, so years later, these uh, the children that she escaped with, who are now adults, are dying under suspicious circumstances and the evidence starts to point in Grace's direction. And she has to determine whether one of her alter personalities has become a murderer or if she's actually the one who's in danger of being the next victim.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. This thing with Grace. And I i want to make sure I don't get too ahead of myself because she has sisters. She does. And they are strong, but what they're coping with is horrendous. And I, how you set this book up, you know, we start with a prologue, and I had tears in my eyes, you know, because you're just, I I just, how you wrote it, and uh, I don't want to give anything away. But you think, yeah, I'm not going to say you think there's. I'm not going to say. Uh, just tell me, how did you write that prologue? How did you write that prologue? Like, what okay. guided you through that prologue and through some of the heavy scenes in the in this novel? Like, how did you do it? Literally.
1: <laughs> yeah, some of the scenes were really hard to write. Um, the prologue, I don't think, was originally written as a prologue. I kind of plunked it in there in a, in a later draft, but. Um, I realized that um, because the book goes back and forth in time. Yeah. So um, in some chapters, you're with Grace as a child growing up in this sect. And in other chapters, you're with Grace in the present um, as she's trying to figure things out. Or you're with the, uh, the RCMP detective, Beau, who's trying to figure it all out. Um, but that moment where uh, the prologue is is Grace and her sister, Desiree, escaping with the other children from this sect and um it's the moment where grace turns her life on its ear basically the moment she becomes a hero and so i felt like that is where it needed to start and then we kind of go back and forth um after that um and it's also the moment when she had to abandon people she could only save the people that she could save and desiree was there but her younger sister soraya was not um uh, although she was supposed to be, and there other there were other children who were not. And so she saved the ones she could. And then they were hoping that they'd be able to, through prosecuting them and, and et cetera, be able to save the rest of them. But unfortunately, that's not how it worked out. And so all of the other members of the sect that were still living there um, basically committed mass suicide. And then, of course, the question as as uh the as the story goes on is well did everybody actually commit suicide or did somebody escape and there's they never found um their prophet's body so he's you know there's been suspicion over the years that he made it out he let made all his followers kill themselves and then he escaped and so so that's part of the mystery of it
0: okay okay and the children are so brave. To leave, I'll call it the cult, right? I'll to leave the cult. They are so brave, and one thing I learned, and you do this so well, is it's learning that generations of family members are born into these cults. Yep, right. And I didn't even that didn't even click with me until I read it, you know, and and the reader with that prologue you're so cheering for it because they're in their teens you know mm. like grace she's in her
1: teens she's you 18 know? years old yeah, yeah. and her At- Desiree is 14 and and she's worried that Desiree is going to be um you know put into a marriage any day because grace was younger than Desiree when she was married off
0: yeah yeah you know and you you get this feeling of ah oh, they made it but then it's the system yeah it's the system and it's it's just like ah oh. so talk to me about that with how did you how did you find out about that or decide to go
1: with that idea with like bringing in the system cuz it's so real it is. And I did um, tag along to real events. So, you know, I uh, none of my characters are real. They're all fictional, but there is the real FLDS sect in Bountiful. And so a lot of Bo's investigation kind of ties into the real life story of the FLDS. For example, um, the fact that they kind of had a legal runaround. They couldn't, you know, they really couldn't... Um, Successfully prosecute this um, this polygamy charge because, and this is this is in in reality I think it yeah. was 2009. Yeah, they were trying to they were trying to um, prosecute the people in Bountiful, a couple of men in Bountiful for polygamy, and they just you know the the lawyers on the other side came back with religious freedoms and et cetera et cetera. And I'm not a legal expert, but it was basically just a complete runaround. And so that, that is kind of what happens is, is, you know, I thought, well, what would happen to these kids? I mean, Grace is 18, but the rest are younger. If they came out of there, they'd end up in the foster care system, wouldn't they? Yeah. 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 And dealing with a lot of trauma. Imagine being growing up in like a, a sect that's so isolated, you may not have ever even left the grounds, which is very true for a lot of them. Um, I mean, the big trip was like a trip into Bountiful for shopping. I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden you're in Vancouver or something in a foster home. With people you have no idea who they are. And you're, right. and even though you're trying to escape it, you've been brainwashed your whole life about, um, you know, these Mormon beliefs of, of, you know, plural marriage and, yeah. and being sweet and, you know. trying to attain your place in heaven and that the end of days are coming any day now all of a sudden you're you're into a whole new reality yeah Yeah. and i find
0: i have to be very careful this morning when i was getting ready and thinking about our podcast i thought be very careful with your words (laughs) (laughs) joe okay
1: so so mysteries
0: you can't give anything away (laughs) yeah but i also don't want to anyone. I also, okay, so I'm going to use me as an example, okay? So I was raised Catholic and what drives me nuts (laughs) is when religion is twisted to suit individual Selfish purposes and disgusting purposes. And uh, just being Catholic, like I have faith, but I just can't stand when that faith is being manipulated for individual selfish reasons. I think I did that okay.
1: I completely agree. And as somebody who was raised in the Jewish religion, um, you, I see that from that angle as well. Um, there are, there are families that I, I know who have, you know, basically sat Shiva, which is what they, is a Jewish mourning practice for a child that is, you know, still alive, an adult that child that is still alive because that child is not what they expected them to be and is not following what they believe is right. You know, things wow. like if, a, if a child comes out as, as, um, as gay or homes yeah. or something like that, that there are families that are so extremely religious that they'll turn their backs on their own child. Mm-hmm. And so these, these are things that I witness, um, just in my own you know out on the outskirts of my own religious community yeah I don't want to make it sound like everybody's like that that's not yeah. at all the case um and uh just I, I for me the damage that is done yeah with that or the damage that's done to a child who can't be themselves yeah um isn't safe in their own home to be who they are yeah 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 and i I've witnessed
0: that too um Now, as I was reading, you have dialogue and there is one character who says, God is testing us. Mm -hmm. I read that and I went, ah. So, so, was there any scene, dialogue that was the most difficult to write?
1: Oh, well, I think that... It was really hard for me to write the scenes with Grace and Uncle G, the yeah. relationship, who is the person who's abusing Grace. Because Grace actually grows up in a, a family that, although completely brainwashed, is actually quite loving. Yeah. And so, you you know, she has a, a loving relationship with her mom, with her dad. Um, everything in the family changes as um, the dad is gets a second wife, Mother Rebecca. Everything kind of gets a lot more tense. Oh, yeah. Um, but Grace has a lot of love in her home and in her family, and and she also is young, young, but recognizes that that's not necessarily the case in all of the families in their sect, but that she's fortunate that her parents actually love each other. But uh, I think the hard scenes were the ones that I had to write with Uncle G um as the abuser and I I had to be very I made a, a very mindful choice early on that I wasn't going to um sensationalize the abuse, that I wasn't gonna sensationalize the dissociative identity disorder that Grace develops because of the abuse. <clears throat> so I used it and I made a choice. I'm not gonna write any of this on the page. Yeah. I'm gonna go right to the edge and I it takes it's a challenge to figure out where the edge is. is, yeah. I'm going to go right to the edge and then so that the reader has an understanding of it without having to be faced head on with the words of it. Yeah. But those were the hard chapters to write. Yeah. Yeah. When Grace had no power.
0: Yeah. 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 See, and what I really like is the letter you have in the beginning of that novel. That letter is so touching. You know, and it, to me, it shows so much respect. Like you're acknowledging there are victims. There were people, there are people out there who are trying to still cope with this. Right. Absolutely. And it made me realize when, like when they say words have power, words have impact. Yes, they do. So when I, like I said, when I saw your letter, I thought, yes, it was so respectful. And I really admire that, Shoshona. I really yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. So, taking it up, taking it up a bit. Yeah. I want to know because I want to know because there's, you talk about hypnosis. Yeah. Have you been under hypnosis?
1: I actually have. I, I did a whole series of hypnosis um, sessions at one point in my life. I was <clears throat> probably in my early 20s and i don't know if it helped me honestly but i thought it was quite interesting and i've realized um through time that i actually use hypnosis in my books quite a bit which means it obviously has stuck with me um that this is something that happens well i was when i was putting the questions together
0: i thought well, I think I've asked her this before, right? You know, but
1: I think it's really cool, like reading about the hypnosis. So I thought I'm going to ask her again. Yeah, no, I have I have done hypnosis, um, and uh, I I I think I found it very relaxing. And at the end of it all, I'm not sure if it actually helped me with the reason I was going there, but it was kind of very soothing. So, yeah, <laughs> that's good. That's yeah. good. That's good. <laughs> Okay. So with your characters,
0: they are such fighters. There's Desiree, there's Grace. They are both they are both strong in their own way. And uh so when you were crafting these characters, how how did that all come about? Like how did how did you decide okay, you know, they're going to go through this, but
1: I want to also show their strength. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there was a lot of character building and Desiree, I don't think really came into formation until a little bit later in the book, like in the first draft for me, I don't think I knew who she was um, until I started to write her throughout uh, Grace's childhood. And then I really started to develop more knowledge of who, Oh, who Desiree is. Okay. So And then, of course, she leaves the sect at 14. So she ends up in foster care and, um, you know, has has a much rougher go of it in many ways than Grace does just by the grace grace of being able to be a legal adult. Grace was on her own, basically, which is, of course, incredibly challenging, but also stopped her from being maybe in certain circumstances where she had no power. And so Desiree um gets involved in drugs and and yeah. and struggles with addiction and struggles with a whole bunch of stuff and lives in a very um challenging area of vancouver yeah. um and uh and really is kind of in the nitty gritty of things but she's also incredibly strong incredibly powerful um and and a survivor yeah. and both of them are very much survivors in their own ways.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. So let's talk about the charges of polygamy. Right. And that constitutional runaround with Canada's laws. Right. Because I, when I read that, I thought I remembered, I remembered something in the news. And, you know, (laughs) I also really like that. I believe you quote the criminal code in yes. your novel. I do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, this is the nerd in me coming out <laughs> because when I worked in the prosecutor's office for the longest time, when I first started, it was the criminal code of Canada. Mm-hmm. And then they changed it and it was just criminal code. And I saw that and I thought, yeah, yeah. Like, Chi-ching! she <laughs> did. Right, she did it. She does her research. Like, yeah. So it's just, it's just a little quirky thing with me. But can you tell me about, about the charges of polygamy and
1: the criminal code? Yeah. So um, my understanding now, it's been a while since I've done this research. So if I remember correctly, what happened was the sect um, of the FLDS that lives in Bountiful, um, a couple of men that are were high up leaders in that sect were charged with polygamy. Yeah. Um, which that that criminal code I'm trying to think what the number is. Uh 293. Yeah. 293 of the of the criminal code, not of Canada. The yeah. criminal <laughs> <laughs> I got that right. Uh, uh basically is against polygamy. And actually my understanding is that until sometime in the fifties, the statement of that code actually mentioned the Mormon church. Wow. Um, because they were the, um, they'd come up in the, I think the late 1800s from the, the areas where they were around Utah and Colorado and Texas, um, they'd come up to Canada and, uh, and so they, all of a sudden Canada had a whole new issue to contend with, you know, we want people of different religions and, and, and stuff, but we don't want to have to deal with this polygamy issue. So they put that, uh, criminal code into effect, but it didn't turn out to be super effective <laughs> yeah. Apparently, when they were trying to prosecute, um, the leader's, um, of this, of the FLDS and bountiful, So basically, I don't think anything ever really came of it. I don't think they ever really faced anything other than a whole bunch of legal, you know, turmoil. Yeah. Um, And uh, because they were always, you know, on, on their side of the argument was, well, their religious freedom. And, uh, yeah, so so it just kind of turned into a big runaround, although apparently all the information that um, we gathered as, as the, the prosecutors in Canada or the um, attorney general, I guess it yeah. would be, um, gathered, they were able to help the U.S. in um, prosecuting Warren Jeffs. Well, the prophet warren jeffs is in jail for hopefully ever yeah. um for polygamy child rape um you know marrying off underage girls and uh apparently a lot of um the evidence that they were able to use to to prosecute and uh, eventually convict him was help was given to them by um our government here so that they could go after him yes yeah. yes
0: Yes. Yeah. All right. So, your research how like obviously you've done your research,
1: you know, just so yeah. what how what uh, what was involved in your research? Um well, in this one obviously I had to do a lot of research into the FLDS. Yeah. Um I also did a lot of research into dissociative identity disorder because wow. I really wanted to make sure that I got that um I portrayed that accurately and also that I didn't sensationalize it because I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a, there's books, there's movies that it's sensationalized. It's like this horror thing of, Oh, you've got multiple personalities and one of them's evil and stuff like that. It's actually, I think what was really worrisome to my agent before she saw the first copy of it was like, I hope you're not gonna, you know, do that um, to this this poor woman. Yeah. Um, so it was really important that I got it. Um, I portrayed things accurately yeah. with the FLDS. I, I did a lot of research on, um, the religion and the history of the FLDS and when they split off from the LDS, the Mormon church, um, okay. when the LDS decided that they would not do polygamy polygamous marriage anymore that polygamy was outlawed and the lds said no 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 we we still want to have our multiple wives um and uh, in fact they truly believe that unless the man has three wives he can't attain his position in heaven and and the women go with him to heaven so if he can't attain it they're they're locked somewhere in a lower realm so to speak and our listeners can't see my eye roll okay <laughs> I have <an> eye roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um so I did a lot of research on that but then I really wanted to delve into the humanity behind it instead yeah. of just the detail and I so I ended up reading a lot of um uh memoirs yeah like um the one that really st- uh, sticks out to me is Elisa walls memoir um I think it's called Stolen innocence okay and- her memoir really touched me a lot, and it really informed my choices for Grace. Yeah. To see how she, as a you know a girl growing up, was just completely inundated and surrounded by this brainwashing and this religion, and how do you break free of that? And when you do, what is the work you have to do to try and develop a normal per- or you know normal perspective on on things? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I couldn't even fathom or imagine that hurdle just to to, to change the the total outlook like that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Now, I I was I so enjoyed seeing your virtual launch on Sunday, and I am sorry I can't remember the host's name. Allison. Allison. Oh. She brought up Bo and when she did i thought yeah <laughs> you have the reader liking this man right from that chapter 1 like that opening chapter where oh <laughs> this is a character but when you know they're they're going to help and he takes off his helmet right and he ah oh, arms out right it's just Oh, so talk to me about Bo. And like Alison said, I thought it was a great idea. Are you thinking of mm-hmm. another book with
1: Bo? Because oh God, yeah. <laughs> you know, I know I, I hadn't until she mentioned that. And now I'm gonna have to give some serious thought to that because I did like him a lot. Yeah. Um, he is a, an RCMP detective, but he has been through a lot in his own life and um his wife um committed suicide and about ten ten years or so before this book is set, and he's still dealing with it. He's still not completely believing that she really did and and this is why he's actually become an expert on suicide notes is because yeah. of what happened with his wife yeah. and um and so when the suicide notes start coming in with the the others who escaped with grace, he's able to kind of tear them apart and pinpoint where he sees things that are possibly false yeah um and he really starts to believe that these suicide notes are not real they are they are faked um but uh, he is he's a very kind-hearted person um, and he is, yes, you, you do see him in that prologue when Grace and the other kids are running towards their mortal enemy. Cause they've yeah. been, the police are the enemy. If you, if they come, if they raid this, if they raid, uh, bring them, you need to run for the forest. This is yeah. what they're trained to do. So to, to run towards the police is just an, a monumental choice to make and terrifying for them. Um, and then he does, he steps out of the, the formation of all the other officers and he opens. he takes off his helmet. He opens his arms to them like I'm safe. Yeah. And, um, and he is the person who is charged with the investigation and, and, uh, years ago was charged with trying to help prosecute the leaders. And of course that failed miserably. Um, and so he feels a great sense of responsibility towards these kids. So when Desiree reaches out to him to say, I received this, this newspaper article in the mail yeah. um, about another child uh, another person's um, fake suicide. As it turns out, um, he is, he is right back in there and wanting to help them and wanting to figure it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. He is definitely a damaged person as well and dealing with his own grief and his own vulnerability.
0: It's interesting, though, that both Allison and I were just like, Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) mm-hmm. Right? Right? So, okay. Now, we're just going to change it up a little bit here. We've gone on a couple of tangents. Thanks for being with me. (laughs) Um, Lightening things up a bit, I want to know, what do you do for fun Besides going to the Elton John concert. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> that was such a great concert. Um, actually, we've gone to several concerts lately. So back in the before times, yeah. my husband is really into music and really into going to concerts. So since we've been married, I've gone to more concerts than I ever probably did. So we actually have gone to Elton John lately. We went to um, see the Eagles. Oh. I love, I love, love, love. I will see them anytime. And we went and saw the Pet Shop Boys in New Order. Oh. It was very much a... Oh, my uh, God. I know, right? So, yeah, yeah they were amazing. Um, we also used to have uh, season tickets to see the Seahawks, the football yeah. team in Seattle. Um, but uh, we gave those up just before COVID hit, which was probably really good timing. Yeah. Um. And But other than that, honestly, I'm a really boring person i'm very much an introverted homebody Um, and um we have a place in uh palm springs california and that is really like that's where i love to be i love to be there in the sunshine i love to work there i love to swim and just uh enjoy the sun and yeah so those are my those are my big things And I'm a mom, so yeah. a lot of my focus is, is there. My yeah. kids are getting older, but they're they're still they're still young enough that, uh, you know, a lot of my focus is there. That's awesome, because
0: yeah. I find you, you need a balance, especially I would like as I was reading this, you know, s- such a s- serious. Topic matter. So, you, you I, I kept thinking, how does she come up for fresh air? Right. Like, you know, because, because you, you, when you write a novel, it's not like you just, well, for me especially, it's not like just bam, two months, it's out, it's polished, it's done. Like, you
1: are, oh, it's, it's months and months and possibly years. Years.
0: Yeah. In
1: that world. Yeah. 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 You really do immerse yourself in that world. And sometimes you come up for air. And, I, I, you know, speaking of myself here, I come up for air and my kids are there and they're hungry and they're needing food. <laughs> and, you know, one's upset about something and one's, you know, wanting to go out somewhere. And and I'm like, oh, it takes yeah. a little bit of adjusting back to the real world. It's like, I'm I'm still in this, like, you know, haunted world that I've created where people are dying. Yeah. You know, oh, you want dinner? Yeah. yeah. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. That- That happened with me, with you, with me. We're reading your book. Yes, reading your book, and I came out and I thought, okay, okay, I'll I'll put a salad together. Yeah, and I haven't told my husband this, so he's sitting there on his laptop and he's talking to me about something, and I, I'm just, I'm putting the salad together, together, and he's saying something about. So you know what happened? This sports team did something, right? This other sports team did something and I was like "Uh uh-huh uh-huh yeah
1: and then after I thought I have no idea what he just told me (laughs) (laughs) I I think that's the um I mean probably that's the thing with readers but also with writers is like half the time my brain's not fully there
0: yeah
1: It's really hard to be fully present and I and it's hard like I I, I'm trying to get better at compartmentalizing because honestly, and I've been like this since I was a kid. I mean, I remember sitting in class and I was the most pleasant child, but I paid absolutely no attention. And uh, so it took a long time before my teacher every year would figure out, oh, this kid's just, you know, she's really sweet, but she is paying no attention to anything I'm teaching. Um, because I had other things that were going on in my head all the time. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. And
0: I just want to loop back before I ask you my final question. It made me feel good when you said, you know, when we were talking about how strong the characters are, Grace and Desiree, Mm -hmm. and you had said that at first you didn't quite know Desiree, but it was through rewrites. That made me feel so good, because there are times, it's like I said to my critique partner last night, I go, okay, I know who my murder victim is, you know, I have an idea of it, but it's, for me, it's through the first draft, it's through the second drafts. it's that this character comes to life. You Absolutely. Know?
1: A lot of them don't come to life, even though I do my whole character study ahead of time. And this is what this person is, and this is who they are. And this is, you know, what they look like, which I never give much priority to, but, you know, all of that. Um, And, uh, but at the end of the day, they often don't come to life until very late in, in the process. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, now you've just suddenly become a real person to me. Now I get you. And then I have to go back and 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 change things or add things and rewrite once I realize it, like Desiree's haircut to me yeah. that was a scene when i um when I learned about the hair and how the f l d s the women are never supposed to cut their hair and why um having her cut her get her hair cut to me was like that was a defining moment where she became a real person to me, yeah, yeah,
0: see okay and i we have to say why they're not supposed to cut oh, their okay. hair.
1: So these women have no autonomy whatsoever, and it drives me absolutely yes. bonkers. <laughs> me too. <laughs> they're not even allowed to cut their hair. And the reason is their hair has to be nice and long so that when they go up to heaven with their husband, they can wash their husband's feet with their hair. <laughs> oh, never. Never. <laughs> Right. So first of all, gross. Yes. But, but second of all, like even your hair is not your own, your hair is your husband's. Yeah. That's how these women are treated. Yeah. 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 When I read that, I just yeah. I know. It made me so mad. I'm like, I have to put this in because when things make me really mad, I have to find ways to put them in. Yeah. Um, and it made me so mad when I read about that. I'm like, Desiree is cutting her hair. Re- really short. But then of course she she does it and she t- it, it not in the story. She tells about yeah. when she did it. Um and of course she's gonna have really big emotional feelings about doing that. Yeah. And so she tells him the story of, of the first time she cut her hair yeah. and how tragically horrifyingly terrifyingly scary it was. Yeah. That you know she was yeah. doing something that was so bad.
0: Yeah. Okay, and the part of me just keeps thinking—not to make light of this. Up, I'm not trying to make light of anything. But you don't see women wanting multiple husbands. No, <laughs>
1: I'm just gonna leave that comment there. No, but you know what happens with them too, and it's something that I hadn't—it hadn't occurred to me until I I started to do my research, which is. Well, they end up with too many boys because what happens is it's not met. It's not plural marriage in the sense that there's more husbands, there's more wives, right? And so you end up with these old geezers who are high up in the priesthood. So they have power and they get all these young girls as their wives. And I mean, they can have 20, 30, 40. I think even one of the Jeff's family had 80 wives um right do you even know who they are do you remember their names but anyway um and i mean these girls are young right some of them are 12 13 14 and so on and uh but what happens to the boys
0: yeah
1: right so you end up with all these boys that end up getting like they can't be perfect and so they get kicked out of the of the flds they and they Become what they call the lost boys of the FLDS, wow. because there's no place for them in this yeah. kind of system, wow. and there's no way they're going to get a wife or three wives. And that's um, Teresa. Uh, sorry, um, Grace's best friend, Clayne, who yeah. is her neighbor growing up and and a very dear friend. Although they have to be very careful about hiding it. Yeah, he, this is what he goes through as a teenager that he's not good enough that he's not powerful enough that nobody's ever going to give him a wife. Yeah. And therefore he's just biding his time until he's kicked out. Oh, God. Yeah. God. Uh, okay. So what's next? What's next? Like I've, that you've written <laughs> such a powerful book. What's next? Um, I have a couple of books that are written and I am in rewrites and uh, hopefully my agent will be able to start them on the process of you know maybe finding a publisher at some point i'm hoping it probably won't be this year because we're in the fall now but hopefully sometime soon um one of them is um a ya kind of fantasy-ish thriller um that is steeped in jewish mysticism um I become really interested in that, and actually how uh, Judaism, at its base, was originally very much more like indigenous culture okay. than, than we are you know even as somebody who was raised in the Jewish religion than we are bound to believe because yeah. we've been trying to survive for thousands of years with people trying to kill us, and yeah. so we tried to make ourselves more like the people that are trying to kill us. But in truth, we actually are very much a shamanic indigenous culture that believes in angels and demons and, and spirits and the earth and you know, all of that. So I'm I'm really delving into that. And that's gonna be YA, which is um a bit of an uh a branching off from what I'm used yeah. to. So I'm taking some time to kind of get used to that. But that might be a series if there's interest in it. I'm hoping it'll be a series. It sounds fascinating. Like yeah. just to learn. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm very, d- I'm deep in the, in the research of it. And then of course you got to pull back from that and figure out how much of the research actually needs to be in the story. Yeah. Um, which I always get wrong. I always put way too much in cause I think it's really interesting. So yeah. you should, should read yeah. about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then the other story I've written and is also in, uh, Slated for a deep rewrite next uh, on my list is um, a story about a young family, a husband and wife and a five year old boy who is remembering past lives. The boy is. And it's more of a historical thriller. Um, Go back in time through his um, past life memories into um, kind of a, uh, a murder mystery type of situation. So, yeah, that is the other thing that is written. Um, but needs to be rewritten yeah. and uh, made better. So. Excellent. 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 All
0: right. Well, Shoshona, thank you. You've, you've, you've seen me kind of making sure both dogs are asleep. I think they have finally crashed. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. And um, I'm really glad you stopped by it and we could talk about blood atonement. And it is a powerful book that
1: you will not forget. Yeah. Thank you. It's so nice to talk to you again. And I'm sorry I couldn't make it to your your real oh, launch. I know.
0: It was in person. I mean, how crazy was that, right? Well, it, yeah. It's it was one of those things where I was so used to seeing virtual, virtual. Wow. And as you had mentioned, I don't think I was quite focused on what I was doing so I thought
1: yeah click (laughs) right I'm going to that oh it's I know but there were a few people it wasn't just you there were a few people who I know like live further away and they're like yeah I'm going and I'm and I was thinking really are you I mean I'm so honored if you are but are you sure (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I know within
0: the next few months I will be heading back over to Vancouver. So I will, I will try to connect with authors over there. Yeah. Absolutely, Yeah. So,
1: okay, Shoshona, we'll see you later. Okay. Thank you so much, Joanna.